You're listening to The LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the LaunchCast. Here we go. Episode 302, Season 3, Goosebumps on the Arm, Catchphrases All Day Long. Nothing really changes, ladies and gentlemen. Everything changes, but nothing changes. Except for this theme. This is always in flux, right? It's the Launch Dad himself giving you your favorite podcast on the planet. We're bringing leadership, business, life, and growth right now as the beat drops. Into the black hole. What up? What is happening, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Launch Cast your favorite podcast on the planet. I'm probably making that up, but I hope that's the case. I hope that you go to your favorite podcast app, right? It could be Apple Podcasts, could be Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, all of them. We're on all of them. I hope you go. I hope you click the search button. I hope you type in the LaunchCast or LaunchCast. I hope you find the podcast with that big Greek hairy dude right on the thumbnail image with the gold microphone. I hope you click on it. I hope you click subscribe. I hope you listen to every single episode because your brain will explode with leadership. I'm not just saying this to be cocky i'm really not trying to be cocky about this but damn it this is this is chock full of leadership that you need i'm telling you i'm I'm speaking i'm imploring you how about that i'm imploring you in season three three seasons into this and i'm still begging you listen to this thing give it a shot if you're listening right now you're probably subscribed already i hope you don't regret that decision I sure don't regret it, but listen to this thing. Seriously speaking now, though, right? I, I know I'm joking around here, but but this thing is good, man. And we're only going to get better as time goes by because we're evolving. We're evolving with the times. We want to make sure that we are showing you actionable leadership, not just talking about how to be a leader. This isn't like some how-to class, some lesson that you can listen to for an hour a week and go, oh, okay, that that's it. No, you got to go out there and do the damn thing, right? You got to go out there. You got to uh, find this thing that you love, that you're passionate about, that you want to create change with, and just do the damn thing. Go, stand up, say, I'll do it. I'll do it, right? It's not always easy. It is not always easy to be a leader, but damn it, is it worth it? Damn it, is it worth it, 
right? For yourself, for your, your community, for your family. Um, if I leave one legacy with this podcast, one day I'm sure it'll end. I hope I'm, I'm long and dead by then, but one day it will end. And I hope that legacy is that I helped to build other leaders. I hope my kids can look at this as, as me documenting the steps to leadership and not just as a how-to, like I said before, but as a how not to do, right? Or, or, uh, or uh, uh, a look back to say, well, shit, that wasn't conventional, that journey that I took, but can I still be a leader? Yeah, fuck yeah, you could still be a leader. That's what I want people to get out of this. That's what my kids are going to get out of this one day. Although I, I apologize for the language, boys and girls. Mia, Johnny, Joanna, I apologize for the language. Um, let's get it going, though, right? We, we talked about an unconventional way to, to kick off this season uh, uh, with the two-part roundtable. And this is part two. Last week's episode, or, or should I say episode 301, I don't know when you're listening to this, um, Man, it was a doozy. We talked about um, getting to that stage, getting to that red dot for, for your TED Talk. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk is the, the name of this episode. And we're talking about TED Talks and TEDx Talks. Um, it's a tool for me, right? Uh, uh, well into my journey as a leader, as a business owner, as uh, w- whatever it is that I do, well into this journey, I decided that a thing for me to do now in order to grow what I do, in order to um, grow as a thought leader. I sometimes hate that word, but it, it's a word, right? Um, the next thing to do is to get on a stage in order to to speak to more people. And and that red dot, man, that's a that's a coveted place to stand, right? It's it's a place where. Uh, most public speakers aspire to get on that red dot one day. I have been lucky, really, I'm going to use that word, lucky enough to have the opportunity to take the red dot three times as a public speaker myself. And to date, I have hosted that stage for 39 talks, soon to be 46, once our next TEDx Farmingdale event is is all said and done with some incredible talks coming. And... What I learned the most is that these unconventional journeys that we talk about here on the LaunchCast, um, man, they're, they're like tenfold when you look at the, at the speaking world and you look at the unconventional journeys of these speakers taking the stages. You know, we, we look at TED Talks sometimes and TEDx Talks and you go, if you're not a public speaker or if you've never taken that stage before, you kind of go like, wow, you know, that, that person must be very special. That person must be very different than I am. Um, guess what? No. No. Not at all. They just decided to raise their hand and say, hey, uh, can, can I speak on that dot for a minute or 10 minutes or 12 um, and share this, this idea that I had that I think is important? That's what the thing is about. Um, you know, uh, uh, watching people take the stage as opposed to the times that I've taken the red dot, it's been interesting, man. It's been so interesting. You know, I, I, I took this I took this stage as as a young cub early on when I when I did my first uh, TEDx at TEDx Deer Park. And and honestly, I hated the talk so much that I did. I didn't hate the talk. I hated my performance. Um, it was a totally new medium for me. 
you know, being a public speaker and being a TEDx speaker is kind of two different things. It's a, it's a different level of preparedness. It's a different level of rehearsal. It's a different level of delivery than most public speaking events are. And, and I sort of saw that, you know, the first time that I took that stage and, and I could barely even watch that back on video uh, for the next year after that. But, you know, then I took a, a second stage at Suffolk, uh, Suffolk College and, and also TEDx Deer Park. They had asked me to come back. And I enjoyed that one. It was a lot more comfortable. I, I kind of um, took a different approach to it. I was doing a lot more storytelling as opposed to a, a bulleted list of things that I wanted to talk about. And it felt more comfortable. And then the third time that I took it, you know, and by the way, this was way after I had decided, like, I'm, I'm good now. I, I don't think I'm going to take any more TED stages. Was at TEDx Derry Londonderry. Um, I was asked by the organizer of that event uh, within weeks of their event if I could take their stage and if I had an idea. And, and luckily, and I wouldn't have taken the stage if I didn't have an idea that I had been kicking around for a while. And luckily, I did have something. Um, that I wanted to talk about. And so uh, I, I prepared, I took that stage. And to me, it's it's probably my favorite of the three TEDx talks that I've done. Um, so check it out. If you Google my name, you know, uh, YouTube, uh, my name and, and TEDx, Derry London or, or George Andriopoulos TEDx, you'll see it. Um, prepping for those three was such a growth experience. I look back at my preparation for the first talk and the second one and the third one and you know, it's changed because I've sort of evolved. And the reason I've evolved is because I host this stage for other speakers. You know, I became an executive producer and licensee for TED. Um, and it's it's been a rewarding experience because these people have made me so much better as a public speaker, so much better at what I do because I've learned from them and, and I hope that they've learned something from me during this process. And that's what we are talking about here today. And that's what we talked about on episode 301 in these roundtables. I asked almost our entire group of alumnus if they would be willing to come on a roundtable to talk about the process of, of creating an idea worth spreading and getting on that red dot. We talked about specifically our event at TEDx Farmingdale, how it differs from other events. Um, and so this is sort of you know, uh, a love letter to my speakers, um, you know, to, to how much I cared about their talks and how invested I was in their talks. Um, it's a love letter to the red dot. You know, um, I, uh, this red dot has become synonymous with what I do for the last couple of years, which is not something I ever expected. But, you know, I, I cherish the, the opportunity, um, you know, to be able to create a space for others to to go out there and, and be leaders. And, and I've seen so many levels of leadership um, throughout these, these last few years of, of producing this event. Uh, and of course, I've been lucky enough to uh, co-produce on other events like TEDx Deer Park Women. Um, man, what a, what, a, what a phenomenal platform it is, it is for some people. Uh, I've seen so many levels of this. I've seen experienced speakers that do this for a living come and, and take feedback from me. Like, who the fuck am I to give some of these people feedback? Um, but they took it willingly and openly and, and thoughtfully. And I tried to be as thoughtful as possible when collaborating with them. And, and they created incredible talks 
on this stage. And, and I think the talks were better because of the collaboration process, um, at least in my opinion, they were. I've seen people that have done this a few times and got so much better after taking our stage. And then I've seen people who have never taken the TEDx stage before and never taken a stage before, right? We, we pride ourselves at our event on diversity but not just diversity of speakers, diversity of talk topics and diversity of skill levels. We wanted to take some people that aspired to get on the stage but had no experience and give them you know, the resources to become great speakers and great TEDx speakers. And, and they've done that. And uh, God, I'm, so, I'm just so proud of the years put into this event. That's all I wanna say. I'm so proud of the years that we have put into this event as a team. Um, every single curation team member that I've ever had has been so incredible in teaching me and helping me um, produce this event in, in a very unique way that has a signature on it of TEDx Farmingdale. It's not my signature, it's our signature. And I'm just proud, I'm proud. And so, um, I think that's the best way to transition into the next roundtable. We have a huge roundtable today, and we're going to uh, uh, briefly introduce everybody on the roundtable in a minute. Um, but this was this was a big one. I think we had ten speakers on this roundtable, and man, did they bring the fire! I, I'm just I'm so excited to, for for you guys to listen. So I'm not going to waste any more time and have you listening to all my bullshit. Here's part two of thank you for coming to my TED talk roundtable TEDx Farmingdale alumni. So we did this last week. This was an incredible conversation last week with some of our amazing alumni. And what we're doing here is we're talking about the, the TEDx platform, specifically TEDx Farmingdale. Uh, we're talking about the journey to becoming a, a TED speaker. Um, but more specifically, I want to focus today on the idea, the big idea worth spreading. Every single person here came to our red dot with an incredible idea. Um, and you know, the cool thing here is tonight having, uh, what do we have? 10 people, 10 people here joining tonight, man, what uh, an array of ideas, what a, a huge spectrum, seriously, of, of ideas that we had on these stages. It was so cool to watch, you know, from the producer chair, but I can't even imagine being an audience member watching you know, both years, 2019 and 2020. So I want to get into all this. I won't waste any time. Let me just go around the table real quick, do some intros. Um, and uh, we won't have too much time to get into bios, but we'll, you know, we'll talk. We'll talk during. So I'm going to start my top left here. I see Kaya, my Kaya Rain. The force is strong with her. Kaya Rain from our 2019 event. Hello, Kaya. Thank you for being here. Hello, hello. An absolute delight to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Next we have, uh, from Chicago, from Chicago, Scott Shamarin, world renowned hypnotist, amazing dude, 2019 event. Thank you, Scott, for joining today. George, I'm happy to be here. This will be a lot of fun. Thank you, buddy. Okay. Uh, next we have not only 2019, uh, alumni as a speaker and gave an incredible talk, but also 2020 and 21 curation team member, my good, good friend, Estella Lugo. Hey, Estella. Hey, George. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, excited to have you. Yes. Okay, next. Um, this was a good one. Uh, uh, 2019 event. This was one of our two student speakers, and this one literally 
broke the room. Uh, she started off our event. This is Elise Atkins Lewis. Hey, Elise, thank you for being here. Hey, George. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Elise, where are you coming to us from right now? I'm coming from Stony Brook College um, in my room. We're <laughs> out there doing amazing things. Um, okay, thank you for being here, Elise. Uh, next, we have Dr. Cheryl Lentz, also from Chicago, right? Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Cheryl, from our 2020 event. And Cheryl was one of our three remote virtual speakers last year, which we'll get into. So thanks, Cheryl. Um, with a gorgeous background behind him, our 2020 stage is our 2020 alumnus, David Chemetsky. David, how are you, buddy? Hey, how are you doing? How's everybody doing? Hey, Dave. Thanks for being here, buddy. Um, 2019 alumnus, class of 1997, Daler, Peter Bronsky, coming to us from Colorado. Howdy. Good to see you all. Hey, Pete. Thanks for being here. Um, we have 2019 alumnus, Dr. Jennifer DeHayes, who also did... Um, you guys haven't seen this because we use this privately uh, for our speakers this year. Jen was gracious enough to donate her time last week to do a one-on-one 20-minute -on -one, interview with me about voice um, for our speakers this year, for our 2021 speakers as a private resource for them. And that was incredible. So thank you, Jen, for being here. Thank you for that time as well. Thank you, George. Thank you for having me tonight. I'm excited. Absolutely. Uh, Another one of our student speakers, this was our only student speaker from our 2020 event, who is now no longer a student. She's out there taking over the world. Wait, are you a student still? Um, No, I actually took a gap year before I go to law school. Law school. I knew it. Man, mm -hmm. man. Angelique <laughs> Robertson, from, uh, she was with us from Farmingdale College. Incredible talk on our 2020 stage. Hi, Angelique. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And then finally, we have Dr. Dr. Susan Nicholas, also from our 2020 event, uh, who is off camera, but will be speaking tonight. Hey, Susan, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Hi, I just wanted to pop on camera for a minute. Uh, I'll go back off the sound, but happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, you were right. It, it, it came out uh, choppy when you turned the camera on. That's so weird, right? Um, okay, so Let's get started, guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, we have some people out on Facebook who are watching already. So um, let's get the conversation started. So the first thing I want to talk about is, and I'll, I'll maybe I'll pick somebody to get this started, and then we'll kind of go around the room a little bit and move on. I want to talk about, uh, well, first I want to talk about this event. And so, um, you know, as, as the executive producer of this event, I, I have always touted this event as a special event different than others. Um, I don't always feel comfortable saying that because I'm so super critical of myself as the producer of this event. Um, you know, I was really proud of what we did both years, uh, 2019 and 2020. But, you know, there's always, there are always things that you can do better as, as an organizer. Um, 2020 for us was a difficult year as it was for, for everybody. You know, in COVID, trying to put it, put together an event that was live in person in terms of the speakers being live together, uh, but live stream, no audience. And so it was such a unique event. So I want to I talk to you guys about TEDx Farmingdale itself, your thoughts on, on the event, not, not so much as compared to other TEDx events, and we're not trying to play that game here, but um, maybe in terms of your comparison to getting on a TED stage, how did you feel about it? You know, did it meet your expectations, et cetera? So let me start top left. Let's start with Kaya. 
left, Kaya, all right. Uh, well, I would say that for me, uh, TEDx Farmingdale being my first TEDx stage, uh, really, I think the bar was set really high for other TEDx stages, uh, simply because I think, George, you know, what you brought to the table was uh, an, an energy. I think you created an energy that allowed uh, for the speakers to uh, really shine. You created this space and, and really just gave us, I feel like, a support. I mean, and I've had the opportunity to speak on several other stages since then, but the 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 space, like I said, that you created, I think, for 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 the speakers to shine. And you were not only invested um, in this being a, a, a success, but I think our individual successes as well. And I think for me, that really uh, stood stood out as 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 it, for me as um, you know what was the highlight of of TEDx Farmingdale. Yeah, I I appreciate that very much, Kaya. Um, you know, for for me as as an organizer, it was really my top priority was just to create a space for people to share these these special ideas, yeah. and it really came from this this place of you know at one time i had ideas that i wanted to get out there and i didn't know how to get them out there and so having the opportunity even for me on getting on my first tedx stage um it was so special to me and somebody gave me that platform and that platform mm -hmm. for me just changed everything you know it gave me uh, another tool to be able to to talk about these ideas to spread them in a way that i never could have done without mm -hmm having stepped on that red dot first. Um, let's talk to, uh, let's go to Estella next and, and talk to you, Estella. Estella, how do you feel about that? Definitely, I, I agree that there was a lot of uh, support for us individually as, as speakers. I think you were just very hands-on from the beginning with the development of our talks and um, just really helped us kind of step outside of ourselves and see it from the, from the, the listener's perspective, really help us organize our thoughts. I know I came into this kind of out of left field, not knowing what I was gonna share or how I was gonna share, but just knowing that I wanted to be part of it. And I think just your enthusiasm and, um, and your pride for Farmingdale in general is, is very much contagious. And it's very clear that that kind of seeps into just the energy of, of anyone who, who's part of the, of the show, whether they were backstage or on stage. I, I want to ask you, you know, having having now been on both sides of, of the stage, right? Having been uh, on the stage as a speaker and, and now this is your second year as a curation team member. Um, you know, you see kind of the challenges that we go through as curation team members putting this thing on and, and um, the effort of course is there from, from all of us. And honestly, for me, I couldn't do this without the curation team. It's really, uh, it's a vision that I see for the event. Um, but you, you guys are the ones that make it come alive. You know, I love working with the speakers specifically on the talks collaboration and selfishly because that helps me as a speaker and it helps me grow as a human being to be able to hear these ideas. But you know, as, as far as a curation team goes, um, the effort that goes into this is, is incredible. And it's not only the effort coming from the vision of, of me, right. Saying like, okay, this is my event this is the licensee. I want to do it this way. Can you guys make it happen this way? It's feedback from everybody. I had a moment with you, honestly, and I, and I 
want to talk about this very candidly because I think as a leader, as a um, as an organizer, I need to to admit to my faults and and where I go wrong. You know, you you had a conversation with me a, a few weeks ago when we were planning this event um, about uh, accessibility for the event. Something that honestly, in in all of the hubbub of getting this thing together in a sort of post COVID atmosphere where we kind of couldn't get every venue that we were looking at and we sort of had to settle. I didn't think about that. And you, you called me up very thoughtfully and said, Hey, we're not considering all the communities here, you know, in terms of um, who can come to this event, we're limiting, you know? Um, and so that, that to me was so helpful, you know, uh, uh, as a curation team member to be able to get that feedback and to go like, Hey, I, I really screwed up this year, you know um, you know, and, and I, to tout this inclusive event, right? That we're so diverse and inclusive and then to to block out uh, a specific community because I didn't think of them, you know? Um, and so this was a lesson that, you know, and I thank you so much for for helping me with that and, and helping me grow as, as, uh, as an organizer where, you know, this year we're trying to fix that, of course, but for next year and, and beyond that, it'll always be a consideration. And that's really... You know, uh, if we talk about an inclusive event that not only has diverse diverse ideas and diverse speakers, has to have diverse audience too, right? right? So I appreciated that so much from you as a curation team member, and I felt that you specifically took everything we did the first year, uh, absorbed that, and you've come full force both years with with helping to organize that. So I, I appreciate you so much for that. Thank you. No, I really appreciate you listening and always being open minded to you know, just a brainstorming sessions and um, positive criticism or constructive criticism, because that's basically the whole idea around TEDx is speak your truth, right? And it's one of the things that I spoke about in my talk, but that's very much the foundation of what TEDx talks are. It's about standing in your integrity and speaking your truth based on your own experience, um, based on your perspective. And it was just something that you know, I felt comfortable, obviously, coming to you to talk to you about, and it's what I stand for, and um, you know, it was it was important. So I'm glad I'm glad we made a headway with that. Yeah, and and I, I want to touch on one thing you're saying here, and and get some feedback from the rest of the group here. Um, when you talk about what you stand for, um. This is so interesting to me because I love seeing the, the growth in speakers and this has nothing to do with TEDx or it might, right? This is all up to you guys, but, um, you know, having known you for so many years and, and, you know, uh, the things you advocate for and the things you've, you've always worked for, you know, if I, if I look at Estella two years ago, when we did the event that you spoke at versus now, um, I just have seen that like this, the things you spoke about in your talk and the things that you work for have become so ingrained in your DNA now that it is a part of every decision. What kind of role has this idea or, or bringing it to the TEDx stage, what kind of role has that played in, in building that part of you, Estella? Uh, it's been really foundational and then it's only kind of connecting the dots now, moving backwards, that I think, again, that's the beauty of TEDx is that um, the opportunity came to me before I even knew what I want to, wanted to speak about. And I think that's the beauty that we all have a story and uh, a really important lesson to 
to share with the world. And I think TEDx gives us the framework to put those pieces together and then broadcast it, right? And that becomes our, our purpose. That becomes our, our mission and our message to the world. And the TEDx stage is basically, you know, kind of like this Batman signal projecting out. And then whatever is meant to be attracted to you from that, you know, the people come. I've, I've been fortunate enough to have people reach out to me after that talk that really, that, that, that really resonated with them, what I spoke about. And I think that's the power of the TEDx stage is to really amplify your message and connect with people that can expand that and, and broaden that and, um, and empower that. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Thank you, Estella. Um, I want to move on uh, uh, while we're still talking about the, uh, the logistics of the event for a minute. I want to move on to Cheryl, Dr. Cheryl Lentz. Um, so the 2020 event was so interesting, right? We, we had in 2019, for those that, that uh, didn't get a chance to see our show, either live stream or in person, 2019, we had a ridiculously large first event. Um, mm-hmm you know, a, a, a crazy amount of people, a huge auditorium, 24 talks, 26 speakers, a, a whole nonprofit showcase outside of the main auditorium. I mean, there was a lot going on. It was very uh, bold and ambitious our first year. And I felt that we did a great job with that, uh, the first year's team of pulling it off. So in the second year to, to go into this COVID world of public speaking um, and, and more, the, the mission became more than just Ted. It was also like, I actually felt for public speakers, me being one of them, that we had limited stages, you know, and it's not a paid stage, but it's a stage that is so important for public speakers to, to take at at a certain point in their lives. So Cheryl, for you doing this remotely, right. Was, was so interesting. It's such an interesting uh, situation. So we had three speakers um, that were in the Chicagoland area and because of travel restrictions, we said, hey, well, what if we build a stage and ship it to you? Can you guys get a venue and a videographer? And they said, yeah. And they teamed together with three incredible women um, that teamed together and just got the thing done. And their production in certain ways was better than ours in, in studio, right? Um, but you took this thing virtually. You guys pre-recorded the day before, or well, a few days before you submitted to me we cut it up and we, we chopped it up in a live stream, like a real television show. Um, talk to me, Cheryl, about how you felt um, after recording that and how you felt after the live stream, watching your fellow speakers, some in person, some remote, taking that stage. Well, first, I want to back up just a little bit, George, because I think part of the seeds were sown by you in making this possible. It would have been very easy for you to be able to dismiss us and say, why don't we wait again for next year? Because of the, it was a heavy lift to put all the logistics together. But the fact that you allowed us and supported us and tried to make it as close to the New York stage, the only thing we really missed was the after party with everybody being, but the magic was still there. The believing that we were part of the team was still there. And it was really magical, although I will say it's daunting because we had a huge venue, huge venue. And I think it was over 3000 seats, but they were all empty. And to try and recreate that energy that you kept for us in that space, because all of it was, well, what's George going to think? And how is it going to play? Because we're not part of the team to create that same energy. So if my hat's off to you, because it would have been so much easier to say no. And you said yes to try and work out some of the logistics. And it was really interesting to see how 
the three of us really had to bond to put it, but it was still nerve wracking. And that's the part as a professional speaker, I'm really surprised at George, both during and after the event and the fact that it was still real. You were still on that red dot. You were still in the same, whether there were people in the audience or not, we knew there was going to be. So we had to recreate the audience here. And that was through the power of your support. And it's been really magical. And so one day we'd like to come back and have that party that we missed so we could all be on stage together. But you created that family atmosphere. And that's really what helped keep us connected, even though we were more than a thousand miles away. So thank you for that, George. That's the power of TED. I, I appreciate that very much. I talked about this last week a little bit, and I don't know how many of you were able to watch last week's roundtable, but, um, you know, I, I I sort of felt in certain ways with the 2020 event that I failed uh, the speakers. Mm. Um, you know, we were we had such an incredible uh, community in 2019, and there, our 2019 speakers can attest to this, but we had such an incredible community, and you know, trying to recreate that during the pandemic, also trying to recreate that in a space where I kind of knew that in 2019, I gave a little bit too much of myself to the event and that I had to put some boundaries in for myself, um, you know, and, and just hiccups here and there. And and the, the whole thing is said and done. You go, okay, it was a great event. You produced it well. Um, I didn't, I felt the community, but of course it's not going to be the same as when everybody's in person, everybody's together, um, you know? And so my, my only goal with the speakers, the 15 speakers last year in 2020 was to make sure that I could put on an event and that we could as a curation team, put on an event that did not have an asterisk next to the letters TEDx for you for the rest of your life. Like I did a TEDx, but you know, um, and so I'm happy that, that you had that experience, Cheryl. That that's really most people had no idea I wasn't. They thought we were live from that stage, even though it was pre-recorded. That's a testament to your team and working with the cure our, our team here with all the video and stuff like that. They thought I was simply live and you just cut to us and we did it live. And I'm like, no, we did ours quite a bit beforehand and had it ready. That may our nerves maybe a little bit less on the day of because we had had our nerves already previously. But the fact that we were still part of it and it looked as if we were live, it just if you weren't paying as close attention, you wouldn't have guessed that we were a thousand miles away. You didn't make a big deal out of it. And so it made it really feel that we were there with you all. And that yeah, was magic. That was important to us. We wanted to create that illusion. I want to give a shout out to, you know, to to the rest of the team too. I had uh Dylan Gafarian from our team, who's also a 2019 alum. Um, was at the production table with me. We were at a conference table about 15 feet away from uh, from the stage, you know, live producing, live streaming, the whole thing. We had Jason Martin, who was incredible with uh, all the setup of the speakers, audio and lighting and everything. And so the, to not have to focus on the slideshows and, and the, uh, 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 the confidence monitors that Dylan was running, to not have to focus on audio and lighting because Jason was doing that and being able to focus on that live stream and put this thing together as a cohesive show. It was, it was actually very cool. It was such a uh, cool learning experience. I mean, it was, I really felt like we were producing a live TV show in that moment. So I'm glad that you felt that way, Cheryl. We felt that way too, watching it. I mean, it was just, we just want to come home and have that experience of the next Ted I do. I want to get the whole there. We're almost there, but very close. And the fact that you were able to do that during a a pandemic, kudos to you and your team. I wanted to have you guys back this year. We we didn't have a conventional event this year. It's a more intimate event, but next year, 
Next year we'll bring everybody back. We'll, All right, we'll, we'll be there. Um, you know what? Let's uh, let's keep this going real quick, and then we'll move on to the next topic with uh, Dave Chemetsky, who was also on the uh, the 2020 stage. Dave, um, in terms of you know your comfortability being a person that came to to shoot this thing live, right? Um, even though it wasn't live, not a real audience. We kind of had built this set, elaborate setup that spanned from the the outside of my office, like the courtyard all the way up into the office in like different pods and sections that we had made. So talk about that experience for yourself a little bit and how you felt um, with the event, both from a production standpoint and a, a team standpoint, community standpoint. Yeah, I'll even go a little further uh, just because I was actually an attendee for 2019. I, I applied for 2019 and, you know, didn't get accepted. And when I was sitting in the audience in 2019, I'm like, wow. I, I saw where my application was, and I saw the bar that needed to go a little bit higher, and the people were there. I mean, you know, there was a couple that really brought me to tears, and I was like, I needed to step up my game. And then we had 2020, so I applied, and the experience was so unique. Because when we had the preparation meetings, got to know everybody, but then the actual being together was really good, supportive. And both virtually as well as live. And for me, with, with the energy, the day that it actually came, I was like, oh, my God. And I needed to keep moving around. I'm definitely a, a mover. And um, that was helpful. And all the support that we had, that was really, I think, one of the special things. I know 2019 had a lot of support with each other. But so did 2020. I, I think though we were challenged on the distance, we still were able to find that way to connect, even with the Chicago uh, part of our, our speakers. It was really an amazing event. And as somebody who went on the stage, it actually felt that way. It didn't feel that there wasn't a, a, a crowd. You definitely knew it, but the energy was still there. You didn't know how many people were there. It could have been more attendees, actually, because of the live stream than uh, if there was a live event. So I know for me, it, it definitely felt real. It didn't have any of that you know, asterisk piece of it. And it really has been uh, one of the highlights for me to be part of uh, the Farmingdale community. I'll pivot from this in a second, but I do want to say that, um, you know, some of the highlights for me um, of this event was being the person specifically that works with the speakers on collaboration and, and rehearsals and everything. Um, some of the highlights for me were, two things were, were, were so important to me. One was the growth of speakers, right? Um, when we talk about diversity of speakers on the stage, we're not just talking about color and topics um, and, and ability and all that. We're talking about diversity in, in skill sets of speaking. We're talking about people that have never been on a stage before versus people that do this for a living, right? So, so for me to see like, to have like Scotch Marin on the stage in 2019 was like amazing, you know, to go, I know this guy takes stages all over the world. This guy's on Oprah and Howard Stern and, and, you know, is an incredible speaker and incredible at what he does. And then to, to take people that, you know, are skilled at speaking be, because of what they do for a living, but have never really taken a big stage and to, to see that growth 
that for me was one of the most incredible things. So, so Dave, you know, for you, I know you had applied in 2019 and the, the growth from that application until you actually getting on that stage was, was incredible. But on top of that, having a person like you in our community, people like you in our community are what makes this community so special and what brings these events together. People that actually want to be part of it, people that lift others and support others. And by the way, seek support from others when they need it. Um, that when that moment happens, which we're like kind of getting to for the 2021 event now, you know, everybody's in that like super memorization stage and, you know, they're starting to question their talks and you, you guys remember that, that point, right. Two weeks away from the event. Um, and they start lifting each other. They start helping each other. How can I help you? Here's a tip for me. Here's a that's when the community really kicks it into high gear. So have, Dave, you were so important for so many other reasons that you'll never realize as being part of that community and, and others like you, which by the way, you know, everybody right now on this thing um, was asked because you were all people like that people that were, were a big part of the community. So thank you, Dave, for that. Um, I want to move on to, to preparation and collaboration for a little bit. Um, so a few of you had talks that really um, blew me away for a lot of reasons, right? We, there are the, the, the TED Talks that are uh, based on a journey. There are TED Talks based on science. There are TED Talks with evolutionary ideas. And for, for me, as the, the organizer that, that is choosing which talks are going on stage, it's my job to make sure that when I, when I see a list of talks and I go, well, I kind of agree with that one. I don't agree with that idea necessarily. I know nothing about that idea. Oh, I know a lot about that idea. When I have that full spectrum on that roster that I'm looking at, then I know that we did a good job in choosing talks because you're not supposed to agree with everything. You're not, the, the whole point of this is to bring different voices on these stages. And so as the person that was collaborating with all of you, during the process, right? Because we have a, a, an accountability process here uh, at TEDx Farmingdale. We have draft deadlines and, and submission deadlines and rehearsals and collaboration um, with each other so we can make these talks better. Um, that part for me was amazing, but I will say it was a little daunting when we have talks like Pete Bronsky, right? Um, who gave such an incredible talk that was so over my head because I nothing I do professionally has anything to do with what Pete does. So Pete, talk to me about that collaboration process and how you felt about it. Real talk here. Um, you know, from a person that was coming from the standpoint of helping to make this a better TEDx talk, a better stage talk, but somebody that wasn't coming with the experience, obviously, that you are coming to the table with. What did that collaboration, um, uh, that collaboration process feel like for you? Yeah, well, you know, the short answer, George, is that it was crucial because, I mean, for folks who don't know, I, I work in the clean energy revolution or climate tech, anything that's making this a cleaner, greener world for everyone. Um, so it's renewable energy, it's electric vehicles, it's low carbon technologies. Um, and so I spend most of my day to day operating in more of a business environment, B2B. It, it's with the private sector, it's with government agencies, it's with investors. And, and both the, the excitement of TEDx Farmingdale for me, but also the challenge of it was taking my story and my experience and turning that outward for public consumption. 
which is not normally my day to day. Normally, I'm, I'm in the industry conversations, and you can throw around all the technical jargon. Um, but how do you tell this story, in my case, of the clean energy revolution in a way that, that mattered to people? Uh, and that wasn't just about kilowatt hours of electricity or pounds of CO2 emissions from the tailpipes of cars. Um, and so, George, when it came down to you and the TEDx Farmingdale team and the other speakers, that, that for me is where the collaboration helps to make that script really sing. Because I, I'm not talking to my usual crowd um, or my industry colleagues and peers. Um, I, I'm talking to everyone that this stuff should matter for. Um, and I want to make sure that my story helps them feel some, you know, as passionate about it as I do. Yeah. So, so for me, it was, it, it was so much fun because um, it, it really was an education, right? Uh, sitting with you, collaborating on this, learning so much. Um, I want to ask a follow-up to that in terms of that talk, finally getting out there and you, and I really think you hit the mark, Pete, um, you know, in terms of bringing not only uh, the information that you needed to support your idea, but having a really engaging talk on that stage. I thought it was super engaging. Yeah, it's 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 a talk about clean energy and and some people might see that and go, all right, I'm not into that. Um, what kind of feedback did you get post-event um, in terms of how you had sort of, not, not skewed, but how you had fine-tuned that talk to, to really engage other people. Did you get any kind of feedback where you saw minds changing, you saw people educated and willing to learn more about what you do? I, I did. And I think some of the, the most meaningful feedback came in the form of validation from family members, including in-laws who maybe had a, a rough conceptual idea of what it is that I do or the industries in which I work. Um, but they they attended the talk. We we kind of debriefed about it afterwards, and and there was a little bit more of the head nodding of like I I get it now. I I see what you do. I I see the importance of this work. Um, the other part of this for me is almost the validation that came from the market itself. And I I can in no way credit my talk or the TEDx Farmingdale stage as like shifting the global economy with this stuff, but. Like my talk was premised on this hypothesis of like, has the clean energy revolution already won? Has it reached a, even though like renewables are a minority relative to coal and natural gas or electric vehicles are a minority today relative to traditional gasoline burning automobiles, has that transition reached a, an unstoppable tipping point? And just in the past few months, we've seen more and more signs of that snowball gaining momentum rolling downhill. You know, Ford took the F-Series pickup truck, the, the best-selling light-duty vehicle in America, and electrified it with the F-150 Lightning. Um, just last month, Rivian, another maker of an electric pickup truck, Motor Trend called it the most exciting pickup truck they've ever driven. Um, China, the world's largest greenhouse gas emitter, earlier this month, pledged to no longer build coal-fired power plants around the world. Um, so all of these things have been, like after the TEDx experience, more and more momentum that that this kernel of an idea that existed in 2019 and so the positive energy that I believed it held has continued to grow and grow um, and has sort of for me personally reinforced my own passion to to dig in and continue working in this space. Um, so my answer ended a little different from where you asked your question, um, but but that's kind of how I've reflected on it. 
I actually wanted to reach out to you um, after GM had made the announcement about the new Hummers uh, earlier in the year, the EV1, EV2, and EV3. They're going to be fully electrified. And I'm thinking the Hummer gets electrified. Pete was right. <laughs> I mean, the clean energy <laughs> revolution has already won. We'll talk about that another time. Um, thank you, Pete. What do we got here? Oh, oh, TEDx Farmingdale, TEDx Farmingdale. Fabrizio, remember that dancing Ted song with the, the Irish twist? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good job. Good job, buddy. Guys, TEDx Farmingdale. It's back. It's back. The 2021 TEDx Farmingdale event theme is Origins and Evolution. Origins and Evolution, which is so fitting because we have evolved, and I am so excited about this event. Why am I excited? Because I'm not just the launch dad here at the LaunchCast, guys. I am the executive producer and licensee of TEDx Farmingdale. It's the third annual. We're back for the third time, but what's exciting is we're back with an in-person event. This time, we're taking it back to basics. Nice and small boutique event, intimate, at Charlotte's Speakeasy in Farmingdale Village. It's that joint downstairs from the yogurt shop. You know it, behind the bookcase, the secret password, all that stuff. So. TEDxFarmingdale.com. By the time you hear this, if tickets are still available, which they probably won't be, you can buy them right there on the website. But you know what will be available? Tickets for the live stream. That's right. We are live streaming this bad boy. 12 p.m. October 9th, 2021. Get your tickets for the live stream or get your in-person tickets and join us for a couple of drinks, some food, cabaret atmosphere. It's going to be incredible. Why is it going to be incredible? Eight incredible speakers giving seven talks. Who do we have? Maria Elizabeth Molly, Dr. Sonia Chopra, Kristen Donnelly, PhD, Aleem Arif. We have John Lee Cronin and Mark X. Cronin from John's Crazy Socks giving an incredible talk. We have news legends, Lisa Mateo from CBS News and local news anchor legend, Carol Silva, all on our stage, all on our red dot giving their TEDx talks. I cannot wait to share this with you guys. Remember, TEDxFarmingdale.com for details. October 9th, 2021. Fabrizio, I did not get you a ticket, but it's okay. I'll, I'll show you the videos after. Good job in the song, buddy. Uh, Scott, I want to move on to you for a minute. So sort of the same idea as Pete, where I was, um, but, but a little bit different, right? With Pete, I was so... Um, engaged by the fact that I got to learn this thing that I didn't really know much about. Right. And so it was a little nerve wracking to collaborate with somebody like Pete because of that, because this is not something that in terms of the, 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 the data and the facts and the actual um, meat and potatoes of the talk, I couldn't bring anything to the table. I could only bring help turning this into uh, an engaging talk. Um, with my with just a little bit of feedback from me pete did all that work with you it was similar in a different way with you it was like i can't give scott schmarin advice on a talk like this dude is world famous. like no it was it was a thing for me i'm like i how am i supposed to have a collaborative talk with this guy i almost i think i remember a couple of times where i was like you don't have to give me a draft if you don't want scott and scott of course was like nope sending you a draft and and Set, you know, stuck to every deadline. So um, sort of the same question, but how did you feel about that collaborative process and how did it help you throughout, uh, you know, from inception of the idea to taking the stage? Well, I think the whole process, you know, this whole, pro you know, I've done, I've done another Ted talk before 
And this was a very different experience from the previous TED Talk that I did in that I think what made it really special is your passion that you brought to this and you really wanted to make it the best. I remember you saying you wanted to make this the best TEDx talk there ever was. And so it was your passion and being involved with all of it from, you know, working with speakers myself and people that have never spoken before, but really working on every little detail from putting a draft together. Like even when we had uh, the day before we had our, our rehearsal and just all the timings and all the marks and, you know, getting on, you know, doing calls like this with all the speakers before one, I felt a really a connection to all the speakers. We all were in this together to send a, a collective mes message out into the world, really with the same purpose is to make the world a better place. So you really made it more of a family than just a bunch of people getting on the stage, giving their talk and walking off and hoping that it makes a difference. And I think that made it really very special. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much, Scott. Um, I want to talk to Elise for a minute. So Elise was, um, I want to say this was sort of an experiment uh, in year one, right? This was the the first TEDx Farmingdale event that we were putting on. Um, it was, there were a few things that year that were super important to me. And one of them is that I needed this to tie to the community in a very specific way. When you, for, for those that don't know how a TED license works, when you apply for a TED license as the organizer, as the licensee, um, there are a number of questions they ask you about the community that you are hosting the event in. And they really want talks that tie to that community. What problems is the community having? And can we have talks on that stage about uh, the problems that the community is having? And so I felt compelled to make sure that the schools within Farmingdale were closely tied to the event. Of course, one of our uh, curation team members is Dr. Bill Brennan, who is an administrator uh, in Farmingdale School District, still on the team. Um, and Dr. Brennan had actually helped us secure two student speakers, one of them being Elise. The other one was Nicole, who was at the time a seventh grader, I want to say. Um, so there was so much that stuck, stuck out about Elise to me. One was that she came with an idea that was just like incredible. I knew this was going to be like just the prototypical TEDx talk that you see on stage. Like she had all the marks already. Um, but in terms of that idea, I loved that we were able to, in a very safe space, help Elise sort of shape that. Although she knew what it was going to be, there was some distance, right? Between when you started that first draft until we got to that final draft. So I want to talk about that a little bit. And I want to give a lot of that credit to Dr. Bill Brennan, uh, who's not here today, but you know, with, with the student speakers, we of course made sure that all of our meetings were at the school and, and uh, Dr. Brennan was all there for all our, all of our collaborative meetings. Um, it was a little bit different. You know, you couldn't be as um, brazen or bold as you would be with a speaker, uh, an adult speaker who I could say to like, this is not you. This you. You're not doing. You're not doing yourself justice. Tell me what you really want to say, right? I could. I could take an adult speaker and kind of shake that out of them, and that happened a couple of times, which was fun. Um, but with the students, it was a, it was a different process. So talk to me, Elise, about that process for you and how you felt getting to that final talk. Because I do remember we had some 
awesome like aha moments in those meetings where I was like, yes, 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 yes. This is the talk. Um, yeah. So uh, my idea kind of started out, I think like you're, I think you're right. I, I did have a good foundation um, on grassroots activism. I think the process for me was mostly trying to connect it into something that I could, I, and I think the audience could relate to. Um, and uh, I, I remember we kind of went over, you know, like what does grassroots activism kind of go into? And, you know, I started thinking about my own life, my family and um, in, into the in- Innocence Project, which um, my uncle uh, worked with um, when he was incarcerated. And uh, just kind of working with that story, kind of digging into my own history that I didn't know about um, was kind of like, it was kind of, it was, it was revolutionary, honestly, for me, because I was, you know, going through this entire talk, uh, kind of like as a student, I, as a student, and I then had to go look at it as, you know, not like as, as an orator, I think, instead. Um, but for me, the process overall, it was, I'd have to say, it was uh, certainly, it was a struggle for me um, because I had to take a step back, not think of it as, a, as an assignment and kind of look more into like the ethos and pathos of it instead of just, you know, you know, write this out and, you know, say it. I had to figure out, you know, my cadence, my intonation, my tone. Um, and then again, there was also uh, that issue of trying to like get there, like get that passion, get um, the point across and really try to reach people in the audience um, and kind of go above and beyond, you know, a normal um, speech or, you know, uh, this talk. Um, and I think, you know, it, it took a while for me to get there. Um, I think as a student, you kind of get lost in this um, idea of just, you know, fulfilling each thing very logically. and it took some time for me to really look into what I was doing and get passionate about it, like find really what I valued out of my topic. And to this day, I I thank you for that. I thank you for working with me because I think I have gained so much appreciation for not just, you know, my uncle and that, that story I was able to share with others, but the fact that grassroots activism as a whole, um, is something that what I learned from doing that talk, what I spoke about is something that I carry with me. Um, And I think there was also that issue as well. I was 17 and I was terrified of public speaking. And here I had, I'm a writer at heart. And so the writing part wasn't the worst part for me. It was, you know, everything was fine until I got right up to that stage. And then I was terrified. Um, But the support was just, every person I spoke to had a kind word for me. And, you know, of course I had to be the first person to go up. And so being on that stage and like from the conception of my idea to getting on that stage, um, that was, you know, I was blindsided and being on that stage and starting my talk, I just remember being like petrified. Um, But I, I, I spent my entire summer doing this talk. And I realized that that moment that this is what all it's leading up to. And there's no way I'm going to run off this stage scared after everything I've done. Um, and I think that was such a huge character moment for me. I'm still terrified of public speaking, but I proved to myself in that moment that I could do it. And every time I get a chance, I still do it because of that moment of just being able to, you know, power through it. You know, I have, I had this 
great story I wanted to share with with everybody. And here were all these people who were willing to listen to me. And I am so grateful for having that opportunity. And I continue to use everything I've learned from that um, as I go into college now, my sophomore year. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I'm I'm so happy to hear that. Um, at heart, that's what this event is about, right? It's not just getting these ideas out there and 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 sharing them with our audience, which you know, realistically, that's what these talks are for. But the platform itself is a lesson for the speakers as well. I mean, we have to grow as speakers, and part of that is the experience of getting on that stage, and you know, overcoming this thing if it's a fear for you, or learning from the process. And and so I, I will say this for the millionth time: I thank you all for helping me learn. It's the original reason that I decided to hold this event um, is that I wanted to become a better speaker and I wanted to learn through this collaborative process from all of you and all of you, 39 speaker, really 41 speakers, 39 talks have helped me. I have so far produced 39 of these talks uh, on the stage and, and every single one of them has helped me grow as a human being and, and as a speaker. And I'll tell you, uh, Elise, some of these little stories that come later uh, in life are, are um, it, it's funny to hear them after the fact, right? But I want you to know that we made a connection that lasted through 2021's TEDx Farmingdale and will beyond because of you. Uh, and so uh, we, we were lucky to, I don't even remember how this happened. I think this happened through Instagram, but um, Carol Silva, wound up, um, I had an intro to her and she came as my guest to 2019's event and you kicked off the show and your talk still to this day, she talks about as the talk that go, that was like, oh my God, there was no better way to start this event. And she loved it. And I think she spoke to you privately at the event. Right? Afterwards. Um, what you may not have known was that right after that, you know, Carol and I were supposed to have lunch. Um, uh, she she fell off. Uh, I lost touch with her for a few weeks. Come to find out a few weeks later, she had found out that she was diagnosed with stage four uh, lung and brain cancer. Um, battled it on her own, right? Um, got back on the air to to retire the right way as as a legendary uh, news anchor uh, in the in the New York area here. Conquered it, beat cancer, and is now taking our stage this year to tell her story and you were a big part of that because you had such influence on her with your performance on that stage that i'll tell you you're one of the reasons why she's on our stage this year so thank you for that all right um i want to move on to since we talked about farmingdale let's move on to uh jenda hayes uh for a minute jen um we talked about voice in in our um uh, private interview that we did for the group, but there was so much more that you brought to the table than just voice. That interview was really about how you got up on that stage that day and you had, um, you delivered your talk in a voice that I had never heard you uh, uh, deliver a talk with before. It was, it was incredible. You, you completely changed your persona on that stage and you hit it home. But more so than that, and the connection, by the way, with Farmingdale guys is that Jen is uh, uh, a principal here in the Farmingdale School District, um, elementary school, and uh, it was important for us to really tie to the district. Um, 
you brought so much more to the table though. You were part of the community, um, a big part of the community. Um, you were engaged, um, you were thoughtful and helpful to others. Um, I want to talk for a minute about the rehearsals, you know, because part of this process is we provide these uh, both in-person and virtual rehearsals. Um, talk about the the early rehearsals for you, Jen, where uh, I know you were at at least one of them where the speakers were getting up on, you know, the, the makeshift red dot. We had the little one, right? Little the, one. Uh, the, 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 the bath mat red dot in, in my office back then. Um, you know, we, we did these rehearsals and it was really the first time that the speakers were getting up on a, on a quote unquote stage um, to do this in front of people that weren't their family. And I remember, especially after like one of the first ones where there was so many endearing moments like tears and, and just incredible. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, Oh, this, this community is like really, really working. Talk about those rehearsals for you and how important they were to you. Sure. So um, just to back up a, a tiny bit is that the TEDx talk was something so different than I've ever had experienced before. So I'm in the world of academia and I literally, I talk to um, adults um, all the time. I deliver professional development in small settings. I do faculty meetings um, and, and conduct myself that way with adults as I was a classroom teacher and a reading teacher and work with students and, and whatnot, but um, evolved into something much different. Um, through my dissertation, I um, studied um, discourse. And so I looked at how teachers communicate with, with each other. And so I had conversations uh, with, with teachers that way. And then I had to defend my dissertation. So again, speaking in front of um, other academics. And then um, I did have an opportunity to speak in, in England. I spoke at Oxford University. And again, speaking in front of academics. So bringing forth you know, research and, and, and what, I thought, what I felt passionate about um, in, in the world of academia. Then, then I come along and George says, hey, <laughs> you know, I think that you really have a story that you can tell. And um, much like Estella, I feel like, you know, what was my story? And I dug deep and I found my story. And it, it, it actually was a nice thread through my entire life. And it, it dealt with trust. And um, I knew that I had to deliver this talk very differently. Uh, I had to speak from my heart. I had to be believable. Um, and, and I was very vulnerable because I was speaking about my life. So the process was really important to me because I feel like I made a tremendous growth through this process and I kind of transformed a bit. And I know George, like everybody here tonight is like, you know, George, you really helped me. You were fantastic. Um, you know, they all speak the truth because you have a way about you and um, you bring the best out in the people that you work with and you really enable people to view themselves differently and, and you, you created the environment for us to do that. 
in 2019, we were able to meet in person. We were able to go to George's office on that little red bath mat that we all laughed at. And I sat and I listened to other people's talks and I thought, oh my God, they're so good. Or yay, you know, like I was so happy for everybody else. And, and hearing the process that they went through or the stories that they went through. I mean, I cried with Estella, like thinking about what, what her life is like and, and how her life transformed. And I sat in that seat thinking, hmm, you know, like maybe my story is not that great. You know, like, do I really have a strong message to tell? And that was something that I battled with. And that was something that, you know, having that TED name associated with your name is huge. And, and being an academic, I have listened to TED Talks. I was inspired through TED Talks. And this was something that I wanted to do. And I knew that it would change my life. And um, it started in, in George's office. And it literally, we were a family in 2019. You know, Scott spoke of that and he said we were all there to help each other. And whether they, we were right sitting next to each other or, or we were there doing those, those mini uh, talks beforehand and preparing and, and, and pausing and stopping and redoing and wait, that sounds like crap. I have to try it again. And, you know, just really putting ourselves out there. The process works. The process works. And whatever, and I'm talking to the people that, that are doing their TED Talks this year, whatever George tells you to do, just do it <laughs> because it works. And um, I, I was able to transform and I, and I stood at those talks and I went a few times, George, to, to your office because I was scared and I was nervous and I knew that I would get some feedback. And then I did get feedback. I got a lot of feedback. I got good feedback. I got negative feedback. I got, but all of those moments um, help to build who you are and help you to, you know, uh, like Elise said, you stand on that stage and you're, you're petrified. I remember being so proud of you, Elise, because like you were like one of my own, like in Farmingdale and you killed it. And from, I, I said this when, when George interviewed me last week, it's like you find this internal, I don't know, strength. And you could have a thousand people sitting in front of you, or you can have 10 people sitting in front of you. It doesn't matter. You just find that strength and you deliver. And I think the process, George, it works. Um, I hope I answered your question. I'm not sure if I did. You did. You did. I appreciate that very much. And, 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 and I, I want you, I, I very much appreciate all of the kind words uh, from all of you, but uh, I, I want you guys to know that these talks, what you, the honesty, the bravery, everything that you brought to the table made it so easy to be able to collaborate and, 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 you know, thoughtfully, um, thoughtfully nudge you in the right. That's all I did. It was, there was a little, the tiniest little nudge to, 
to help you guys bring out what you already had in front of you. So, so I do nothing here. <laughs> this is the, the, the team puts this thing together and, and you guys are the ones that get up on the stage. I get to watch front row. That's all I get to do here. So, uh, and, and so I am very appreciative of you guys for that. Um, and for the kind words, I want to go to, uh, Susan for a minute. Thank you, Jen. Uh, I want to go to Susan for a minute, Susan. Um, you know, uh, uh, when when we did this thing last year, um, show day, and this is what I what I want to kind of uh, end with today before we wrap up, um, we'll go to Angelique too. Show day was very different last year. I know that um, show day in 2019, show day anytime I've ever gone on the stage, um, you know there are different nuances to every single show, and and last year was no exception, right? Um, we had tents set up outside. We had like, you know, uh, socially distanced chairs. We had a second, uh, uh, stage set up on the side of the building. So people could take pictures and rehearse on another red dot while they were out there. We had a max of like four team members inside the office, running the thing, uh, producing with one speaker on deck. I mean, it was just a, the most outrageous setup, but in a way, even though it felt so different show day kind of still felt really the same as the other shows as the 2019 show, as any, anytime I've gotten on the stage, talk to me about show day for you. Um, you know uh, what it felt like, cause you've been on other stages before. Talk to me about the differences of, of getting on that Ted stage and, and how you felt that day as opposed to other events. Well, Thank you, George, for this. And please let me know if I break up. I changed to wired earbuds. But um, yeah, that was, uh, I, okay, show day to me was um, a shift in expectation. Uh, I think that required that of all of us. Because my my expectation of doing a TED was through a live audience and speaking uh, to that audience and really deriving some of my energy from the feedback of the audience. And of course we, you know, we were speaking to a production crew and there's people doing production stuff in your, in your vision. And my first thought was, Oh my gosh, you know, I, it was off putting. And you know, I had the deer in headlights a couple of times. I was like, ah, oh, this is what this is. You know, it's just like so much happening. But as far as the outer part of it in the, you know, I remember it was very windy that day and there was a lot of just movement and stuff going on. Um, and we were all the social distancing, all the awareness and consciousness of the pandemic and all of it changed us, you know, it changed us. But I, I think what it did was it made us more resilient. Uh, you know, I speak for myself, it like shifted my resiliency. Um, anytime I think there's a last minute shift and and what's happening and you have to adapt to that very quickly and just still stand in it, I believe strengthens you. And so I believe that was the, um, the experience that I came away with was all of the moving parts, um, all of the unexpected things uh, and the expected kind of convalesce to kind of make that a very unique experience, a very unique experience. Um, that I'm very, have, I'm very glad to have had. And so now when I do speaking engagements that are virtual, I feel like, oh yeah, <laughs> nothing was like doing the TED, you know, like I can, I can do it. I can, like, I, I feel like if I could overcome those obstacles, 
and those shifts in expectations kind of on the fly, um, then I could do any talk, you know, give any, any talk. But I, I would like to, if I could, you know, Pete said something that I think affected me personally, and maybe it affected other people in the 2020 cohort, but it's really speaking to something that you don't, like it's a new concept, like it's a higher concept and how to bring it in and how uh, I think Ted helped me, like this whole process that we've gone through with you, George, and with Trisha Brooke, who was helping me as a speaker. Um, you know, I speak about human consciousness and it just seems so huge. And, you know, how do you bring it down to, uh, you know, bring it in kind of like Elise was saying, how do I bring it, you know, relate this to myself and say this with passion. And I, I, that was my number one challenge um, was how to narrow a very big topic and come down to something that was very core and central to me. And I think once I did that with Ted and I brought down human consciousness down to money consciousness and a concept of something that was a paradigm shift in awareness um, and how do I speak it so other people can get on board with me when I've you know, been doing this type of work for almost 10 years now, that was a, that was a big, um, I would say, um, growth for me as well. And now I speak about money consciousness all the time in different types of platforms on Clubhouse and you know, I do healings around it you know, on a weekly basis but I believe it was the TED experience that allows me to do my future work with money consciousness. Yeah. So I want to thank you for that. Oh, I, I appreciate that. We can have this talk another time. I want to be uh, mindful of time tonight. Cause I know we've got a few minutes over, but, uh, and I think, I don't know if he's still here, but Scott is uh, Scott has to hop off in a second. Um, we could have a whole conversation about this. And in fact, we could do a private interview for the 2021 cohort. If you want about this, it's an interesting topic. Um, you had to dance very much dance around the Ted rules because when we talk about consciousness and money is energy, I remember it specifically money is energy and all that kind of stuff, you know, Ted doesn't like that specifically. Right. And in fact, you were again, another conversation, you were one of a few talks that were flagged in the end and we yes. got them through. Yep. Cheryl too. And, and David, yeah, we got three of them here. Um, you know, it was flagged in the end because they're really cracking down on what they call woo woo and, and, and all that stuff. But you really, you towed the line and you did a great, great job of that. And so it's another reason why I love the Ted platform. And I also hate it so much, but I love the Ted platform in a way because of those rules, those four rules that no, uh, no advertising, no religious proselytization, no, uh, pseudoscience, um, no religion, no politics, you know, all that stuff. Um, I love it because it makes your talk smarter. It makes you work harder to do it in an unbiased way. Did my third TEDx talk was literally about this, about the, the, the Ted commandments, what I call them, the, the four rules to Ted and why they make talks smarter. So you yeah. did a great job of that. We can have that conversation another time. Um, but that, that was amazing. Um, I want to talk to Angelique for a second, then we, we will wrap up. Guys, thank you for hanging in with me for an extra few minutes. And Scott, if you have to go, no worries at all. Um, Angelique, so so we're, we're talking about show day, and we're also talking about post-talk, life after your talk, and how life has changed. So you started our show in, in 2020, right? You were the first speaker? I was the third speaker. The third speaker. Okay. Um, Oh, why did I think you started? So um, <laughs> you brought in, and I just remember you brought an energy that like we, 
we stepped up and we we're like, all right, we are in this thing now. Like you were just badass. Um, I mean, you ran through that. You were the perfect example of confidence and brilliance and, and, and um, personality. Like, I don't even know you. And I knew that was <laughs> you on the stage, which was so cool. Um, talk about how you felt delivering that talk and then talk, talk to us a little bit about life after Ted and what, not only what this talk has done for you, but how this idea has carried forward. You know, have you done anything with this idea from your talk? So speaking on the day I had to give my talk, um, as Susan said, it was really windy outside. Um, and it was a tad bit cold and I was like, oh, I really don't want to be out here. Um, but going third, I kind I was, I'm not a person who gets nervous or anxious very quickly, but those feelings were just rushing in. Um, and it's kind of like, I'm the first, like three people to go. Like we're, we're setting up the rest of the event. I was like, what if I, what if I forget it? What if I, cause I'm sitting there and I'm watching everybody like rehearsing and studying and I'm just sitting there like. Am I supposed to be doing that too? Like, I don't like I don't know what to do with myself. Um, so um when I got up there and for for background, Dylan Gafarian was actually the one who not pushed me, but pushed me <laughs> to do the TEDx talk. Yeah, he um he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he said he, to me, we need to get Angelique on this event. <laughs> he he's actually he was my academic advisor in college. Um and I actually went to his TED talk that he did in 2019, um, which is why he was like, this like, this, this is it, like you should do this. And I was like, all right, and you know what? I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, and so when I got up there, um, you know, he's texting me, like, he was like, you got this. He was like, you know, we're here if, if you need it, but you got this. And I was like, okay, I got this, I got this. Um, and being, I think the, uh, the only student there um, and everybody surrounding me being so well accomplished and, and having their degrees. Like I wasn't even close to finishing, well, not close, but I didn't even have my bachelor's at the time. And everybody had master, master's and their PhDs. And I'm sitting here like, what am I doing here? Um, and funny enough, kind of going back to my talk, I kind of talked about imposter syndrome. And like for a quick second, I felt it. For a quick second, I felt it. Cause I was like, everybody like, studied and and is well involved in everything that they're talking about and here I am just like coming out the hood with this with this information um and I got up there and it was it was like a light turned on I was like on go just like automatic um and I just went for it and um I think the best part, I don't think I ever told you or Dylan, but the best part of me speaking was, you know, like pretending I was talking to like a big audience and, you know, looking at different points. And when I would stop at you and Dylan, you guys would be like, <laughs> and it. I would sit there like, and I would try not to laugh, but like, it made me feel like, okay, I'm doing it. Like, this is good. Like, I don't know if this sounds right, but this is good. Um, and you guys were just like giving me that motivation, like, yes, bring the energy. Um, and so I was like, you know, we're going to bring it. Um, and of course, obviously for this round table, I had to also put on my hoops as well, because it wouldn't be complete without it. Um, and so after the TED talk, my 
life kind of shifted. I'll say shifted um, in a way that I wasn't entirely expecting, but I had an idea. Um, And so for your question as to how, if I, you know, I'm still applying this idea. um, As I mentioned earlier, I plan on going to law school, but I decided to take a gap year. Um, And when thinking about this gap year, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I came across a nonprofit organization called City Year. And so if you're unfamiliar with City Year, City Year is an organization that works with schools all across the nation. Um, And specifically in New York, they work within the four boroughs, um, Harlem, Bronx, Brooklyn, and Queens. And what they do is they go into relatively low-income communities and they work with schools that are under-resourced. And when, you know, I was introduced to them, I was like, I don't know, like, this this is a great opportunity, but like, I don't know what I could do. Like, I don't know how I'm going to come in there and just, I don't don't know like how this is going to work out. Um, And funny enough, I end up doing exactly what I had advised like the adults and the teachers to do in my talk. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna apply. It was just, just like that. Just cause when you go in there, I, I work every day with kids who are just like me, um, low income. They go to schools that are trying their best but don't have the best resources. Um, but at the same time, these are also kids who when they have just the smallest opportunity, they're going to take it and run with it. Um, and so every day, granted, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted. But at the end of every day, um, I get to sit here and reflect on the impact that not only me and my team make, but the impact these kids are having on themselves as well. Um, you know, my my program, we went after school and it's completely, you know, volunt- um, not volunteer, um, it's optional. Um, but the numerous of kids that apply to be in after school with us, to be with us and, and learn different clubs that we're running from coding to sports and arts and, and, you know, they're coming back every day with the same energy and wanting to learn more, um, is a bit of like a full circle moment for me. Um, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my TEDx experience. Um, I mean, in fact, I think my kids are trying to find my TED Talk. Uh, they're like, oh, we're going to find it. We're, we're going to find you on the internet. Please don't. <laughs> um, but uh, it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely one of these mo- the most rewarding full circle moments I think I've had. Um, and when I started, when I did our talk, I was 20. And now I'm 21, 10, and 22. Um, so I can only imagine the rest of the most rewarding experiences I could have, but they're, they're, they've been great so far. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so happy to hear that. And we, we loved having you on the stage. Uh, And I will say side note is I want to give credit to the team members that were in the room, right. Doing production during the 2020 event, we had consciously um, powwowed. So it was me, Jason Martin, Dylan Gaffarian, and Fred Banny. I don't think any other team members were upstairs. Everybody else was outside. Um, you know, we're producing the event, live producing the event, but we had, we had powwowed privately and said, we need to give them the audience too, you know? So 
while we're while Jason's running lights and cameras and and I'm doing the live stream and Dylan's running everybody's slideshows and confidence monitors and Fred setting up the speakers like we also had to keep an ear open to these talks and react you know and so I, I want to give a shout out to all of them because it was it was hard to do that and we were so we enjoyed doing it so much but we wanted to make sure that you guys had somewhat of an audience in that room and unfortunately we couldn't let the other speakers in you know due to safety concerns so we didn't want 20 people in a room together uh, otherwise you would have had a bigger audience but um yeah angelique thank you for for that and thank you for for bringing everything you brought to the table um i'm gonna wrap it up now uh guys um i want to thank you all for for joining me tonight i wish we could have spoken for six hours straight i know there, there's so many gems that you guys um could have talked about tonight i, I hate that we could only hit each person one time, but I, I want to be respectful of, of everybody's time. So um, TEDx Farmingdale 2021 Origins and Evolution is happening October 9th at 12 p.m. noon in Farmingdale, New York at Charlotte Speakeasy. Uh, tickets, a couple of tickets still available, TEDxFarmingdale.com. And we will be live streaming. We will be selling a live stream link. Uh, that'll go up probably later on this week. Uh, we'll set that up for you guys. So anybody that's not able to make the event, you can actually live stream it. Um, probably going to be a 90, 90 minute, 120 minute event. Nothing crazy. Two hours max. Um, we're so, so excited about this year's event. I'm so happy and proud to have worked with all of you. You guys are all incredible. You guys are doing incredible things. Thank you so, so much for joining me tonight and for giving up an hour and 20 minutes of your time to be with me. Likewise, George. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Did I not tell you that these 10 people would bring the fire? Um, first of all, I, I love all these people so much. Like, th th just thank you for, for joining and for, for sharing everything that you have shared uh, on this roundtable today. It, it, is, it was beneficial to me. I learned so much uh, listening to all of these folks. Who are, who are forever now a part of this TEDx Farmingdale uh, alumni family. Um, I, I hope that the audience has learned a ton. And, and if you're not a speaker, this doesn't have to be a lesson in public speaking. This should just be a lesson in leadership, how to stand up and share something that's important to you, right? That's the goal of this whole thing is just sharing something that is important to you and, and, and helping other people understand that. And maybe, just maybe, they'll go out there and share that with somebody else. And then they'll share it with somebody else. And that's how ideas spread. Another, 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 another episode of the LaunchCast in the books right now. I'm excited. I'm excited for this season. Um, I'm not even going to announce what's what's coming up in the next few episodes, but but I'll tell you, we have those debates that we talked about coming up. We have more of your favorite leadership interviews like we always do. Um, what am I going to cut a little bit? I'll probably cut some of my soapbox stuff a little bit, although I'll still throw some of those in every once in a while because I know you guys just love when I get up on my soapbox and just rant for an hour but we'll try and limit those a little bit this season and and do stuff where you can learn from 
other people and how other people execute and stand up on their ideas. So until the next time, guys, thank you for joining. We'll see you next time. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And make sure to visit our website, guys, thelaunchcast.com. Looking forward to the next episode. See you soon, guys.